Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Are you ready for a good hour? This is the call. <laughs> 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests, one hour, Friday the 19th of February, and I'm Nadine Blaney. So a huge welcome to all the viewers who've joined us on Twitter. We do this program every weekday between 12 and 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and we always put it online as well, osbiz.com.au or via the Osbiz app if you missed it and you need to catch up or if you just like to re-listen to Hang On Every Words, our expert guests say. And speaking of, joining me in studio, Adam Dawes from Shaw & Partners. And via Skype, I have Claude Walker. How are you traveling there? I'm well, thanks, Nadine. Good to see you, Adam. Yeah, just a busy day. Uh, definitely in the heat of earnings season, I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah, it has been a big week. Adam Dawes here in studio yeah. with me. He was, you know, flexing, getting ready for getting this ready. Hour, of power. hour of power. But yeah, I mean, what a week in terms of earnings. Yeah, it's been crazy. Dividends have been the real key for a lot of these companies starting to pay back some dividends, which has been fantastic. And that's seen their share prices move in the right direction on the back of that. And investors getting a little bit excited and companies starting to get a little bit excited potentially uh, overlooking or moving away from this COVID issue and moving forward. Still, there are those pockets where not a lot of guidance is being provided. Retailers yep. amongst them. I mean, even West Farmers yesterday yeah, talking correct. about a solid start to the second half, slowing momentum and a bit unsure where it all ends. QBE today losing one point something billion dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's still pockets out there that's really tough. Absolutely. Okay. We could talk all day about reporting season, but we don't have the time because I know we're going to get into some pretty interesting companies here right now. And uh, let's just stick with the reporting season theme because IntelliHR, so that company out with its half yearly results this morning, revenue increasing by 82% to just shy of $3 million, driven by strong customer growth with subscriber numbers increasing to 29,000. So that's up 147% on the PCP. And that is despite headwinds from the pandemic, it's got a presence in the UK and North America. Let's find out about this company in detail. IHR, All right. what is it? So this is, can, you, can we call it Red, Reg Tech? Yep, yeah, we can do that, definitely. And it's one of the Bevan Slattery ah. uh, stocks in his stable. So he's now got three, three. One is 3DP, one is IHR, and then RNT that he bought the other day. Mm -hmm. All of these have seen some stellar gains, except for IHR has went up, then come back down again, and then sort of moving sideways. But with looking at this business, 
uh, a reoccurring revenue is the key, ARR, and this one is actually moving in the right direction. So really, really, it's actually looking pretty good. Um, I looked at the outlook statements, looked a little bit skinny on uh, that outlook for that international expansion, and they did talk about the US and UK, but they didn't give us any numbers. So I'm sort of a little bit sort of skeptical on where that's going, but if we were going to talk about is it a buy, hold, sell, because that's what we're here to talk about. That is. I think it's a buy. I think it's looking Why? good. Well, revenue's moving in the right direction. ARR, so re reoccurring revenue moving in the right direction. Expansion plans, it just looks good. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it yeah, sits really well with me. So yeah, it's one of those Bevan Slattery ones and the market does like Mr. Slattery at the moment. Hey, Claude, I hope we have you back now. Um, we're, we're hot off. The, the blocks with a buy already for IHR. I know you know this company. So Adam there flagged maybe a little bit of uncertainty with the international expansion into the UK and the US. What do you make of it? Well, I was um, delighted to hear it got across the line for Adam and I, I agree with what he was saying. But if, if we just zoom into that exact question about overseas, if we look at the annual port given in August, uh, we saw that they were saying they're initially employing two salespeople to service North America and basically to get growth there. Now, here in the half-year report, we're seeing that they've got um, accelerating growth driven by the recent North American and UK expansions with seven new customer contracts in those, decision, uh, in those jurisdictions, including a major cornerstone enterprise customer. Now, it's not 100% clear from what I was reading this morning, the, the results, whether that enterprise customer is in the US or the UK. But if it is in... Um, the US, uh, then I think that that's probably great sign of initial traction over there. And that makes a huge difference to the overall thesis because basically um, the possibly the reason this company seems to be able to grow its revenue so quickly, which we've already covered, you know, you've got really strong revenue growth. That's great to see. That's two halves in a row now have seen good pickup in revenue. Um, but it may be partly to do with the fact that they've got this sort of partner program. So they've got a partner program with over 40 consulting service providers and technology uh, vendors. So possibly this allows them to actually grow and roll out more quickly than they would otherwise. And um, given that they're a software company and essentially each additional customer just adds to their profitability. Yes, there is some cost, but their margins get better and better. That is a really good setup. And it's for that reason that I own shares, even though it's just a small holding. If this is one of those, I have quite a few software companies, small ones that I like, and I own shares in this one. And, it, and it's a buy to me, but as part of a diversified portfolio, because these kind of companies sometimes do succeed really big and they make it in the US and you get great returns. Of course, it's risky, but that's why, that's why I like it. And I think that this report was probably vaguely positive. Okay, um, just one final point. It, you know, so you talk about growing revenue for the second half in a row uh, for strong. Is it profitable? Do you care? Uh, so it's not profitable at the moment. And I generally do care about um, whether it makes a profit or not. But this is such an early stage company. Like a couple of halves ago, we were talking about it making just about uh, $500,000 in, in the half for the entire company. Now, this is tiny. When I looked at this before Bevan Slattery invested, and it was when I first saw it, I just put it on a watch list because I thought, oh, this is tiny. Even for me, it seemed too ris risky. Since then, we've had, I guess, like the somewhat endorsement of like a, a smart investor buying in. 
on top of strong growth. The revenue is now sitting at close to a million. So it's it's just about doubled. Obviously, if it keeps up to any anywhere near that doubling rate, it will eventually become profitable. But at the moment, it is losing money. Yes, it's got a higher share price. It can, it can fund its losses for a little while. But I'll be looking for that um, loss to narrow and particular... Uh, basically have the have it move towards break even what i want to see for this kind of company is that they can at least break even or um prove that they're actually just choosing not to make a profit because they want to focus on growth that's the kind of setup i like best IntelliHR isn't quite there yet um so for that reason it's just a small holding for me something that i'm watching and then if it moves towards that break even cash flow position that's when it won't have to dilute unless it wants to, which it puts in a stronger position. And that's when the risk will be less. And that's when I'd possibly increase my holding. Well, that is a buy to start this Friday edition of The Call. We'll revisit uh, all the guys' call toward the middle and the end of the program, so stick with us. Let's dive right in. Brickworks, BKL. So this is a question that came to us from Robert. He's saying that it's a solid company. He thinks with an impressive record should do well out of the building booms yet seems neglected and unloved. I mean, Adam, would you agree with that? It's a hold for me due to the fact that uh, they don't really, I mean, there is a little bit of US expansion going in there, but you know, I like the building contractors that have exposure to that US. So James Hardy is a classic example. If I was looking for Australia, probably CSR, more on the building side. But Brickworks has got an amazing uh, way of doing business. And that's due to the fact that 100 years ago, because this is a very old mm-hmm. company, dividends have always increased. So that's another real big positive for the story as well. But 100 years ago, they had all this land where they were making bricks here in Sydney and in Victoria. And what's happened is, is now they've got this massive amount of land and they've done a joint venture with Goodman Group to use industrial parks. Mm-hmm. And so they're getting a really nice clip off these industrial parks that are going through. So uh, Sol Pats owns a lot of this. Robert Milner mm-hmm. is a very, very smart man who is also inside of Brickworks doing this. But for me, if we look at the chart, I don't know, Gotham, if you've got the chart there uh, of a two-year or a one-year chart, there's actually a triple top that's just happened. I'm not a huge technical guy, but however, that does say to me that it's tried three times to get above that and failed, hence why it's a hold. We'd not like to see it get through that next level before it's um, more of a buy. Pod Walker, so this is, uh, you know, housing uh, is hot right now that we know. Um, but we also know that there's a lack of immigration happening right now. We don't know when that is going to pick up. But is Brickworks one of those companies that is pretty safe as houses, uh, considering that dividend payout? Well, I do think it is actually a pretty safe investment. So I don't think you'd be doing a crazy YOLO to put put money in Brickworks. But I really like the way that Robert, the, the viewer's question, shows his thinking, because he's trying to think about what the tailwinds are, what the changes in our world are. Um, and he's also trying to, he's trying to weigh up sentiment and he's saying, look, I think the sentiment's low. So I want to try and go into something that's got good things ahead and its sentiment is low. I love that thinking. I don't think that Brickworks is the best candidate. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Basically, the issue is that, um, so it's got this cross holding with Washington H. Sol Pattinson, um, which means that they it, there's a, no, some interesting governance situation. Having said that, um, this company has been run really well to increase the dividends. So I would think of it probably not in terms of, oh, yeah, there's an opportunity for undervaluation and we'll get a re-rate, which it sort of sounds like the viewer was thinking. I would think of this as this would be a decent dividend play if you just wanted to buy and hold for the dividends long term. 
Um, its current trailing yield is 3.1%, which is not too bad. Now, importantly, the NTA, because it's got this complicated cross-holding with Washington Shells Patterson, basically the NTA is $25 per share. So we're getting a discount. Now, one mistake that sometimes people uh, couldn't, can make is they can look at say, hey, this is a discount. That discount's going to close at some point. Well, that is not necessarily the case. People have tried to close the discounts in um, Sol and Bricorts before, and they've never really um, had sustained success. Um, and the other thing to remember is we have got, you know, increasing like diversity into America now as well. So that's probably another factor. Not that I think it's a bad thing. So overall, for me, I, I guess it probably gets a hold as a dividend play. So obviously, it's not the kind of company that I hold because I, I, I want to always have a little bit more, hopefully, explosive growth or at least a little potential of it. I don't think that's going to happen with Brickworks, but I do think it'll be a decent investment. And I like the way the viewer's thinking. I just don't think this is the opportunity mm -hmm. that, that he's looking for. Okay, there you go. And we did manage to get Adam his charts up there showing his triple top. Triple top. Brambles is the next company on our list. This question is coming to us from Jim. Jim, uh, I will say that the share price of Brambles has underperformed the ASX 200 since the beginning. There were some concerns around guidance, Adam, but this mm. company has updated and upgraded yes. its guidance in the half yearly results. Yeah, and they've delivered two successive upgrades in the last two quarters. So that is actually a positive for this one. However, there's a couple of headwinds uh, for me on this one as well. So, so basically, they've seen uh, improved margins into the US, and that's obviously been a fantastic, mm -hmm. and that's where they're getting that um, uh, sort of some more upgrades going through. And pricing initiatives from by management, obviously, getting some cost out of the business and higher input costs have been, sorry, cost out of the business positive, but higher input costs have been an issue for Brambles going forward. Um, the real issue for Brambles is that uh, plastic pallets. Yeah. So that, that rollout's been delayed. Yeah. Why? What's what's the deal with plastic pallets? Is it that they're more well, expensive? So like Walmart in the US yeah. is really pushing for plastic pallets. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so if you, if you take a step back, when you see the big pallets mm -hmm. and they've got Brambles stamped on them, they're all wood. Yeah. And they have to treat that wood with carcinogenic uh, product mm -hmm. and it doesn't last as long as a plastic. Now, there are companies out there that make recycled plastic and put them into pallets. Mm -hmm. So there is that possibility and those plastic pallets are lighter, more durable and will, will last yeah. longer. But I don't understand why they've delayed it or what the problem is. <coughs> yeah, I, I'm not too sure. Because it seems to make sense, it, doesn't it, it? Yeah, it makes huge sense. I think it's it's uh, one nameplate capacity, so be able to produce them mm -hmm. quick enough. Now, if Walmart turns around and says, okay, we're going all plastic by midway through 2021, it'll be a huge step for these mm -hmm. guys to get that moving. And so I don't think they can fill that capacity. But I think it's a hold for me. Nevertheless, I think Brambles uh, holds enough market power mm -hmm to potentially implement a solution if it does happen. So that stock looks attractive at these levels with a couple of upgrades. I've got a couple of clients still left in this one. They're still sort of firm believers, but it really hasn't done much in the last, I mean, obviously minus COVID, it really hasn't done much in the last five years. Mm -hmm. So this is one I think is a hold from me. I think there's too much to go on. There you go, there's the, what is that? That's five, five yeah. So like it really hasn't done much. It sort of moves sideways. Um, I, I think there's there's better places to be. Don't ask me where that is for Brambles because maybe Amcor or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think really at the end of the day, this has one that needs to get over that issue with plastic pallets. And if they can show the market that they are able to combat that and move forward, then absolutely uh, it's a buy. But at the moment, the market's waiting uh, and won't give it the, the discount, that, oh, sorry, the, the push up mm -hmm. 
on the back of that. No catalyst yet. No okay, catalyst. so Claude, um, Brambles, it has had some pricing power through this pandemic with the whole stay at home and consumption narrative. Uh, it's related to the consumer staples space. So is this, is this again, you know, a hold or what could potentially be a catalyst, if any, to move Brambles higher? Um, well, I'm probably Adam's better at spotting those kind of things than me on these larger companies. Uh, however, I have to say I do agree about there being no cap catalyst. So I don't think that there is any kind of obvious catalyst why, why it will move higher. But then zooming out, if I can say something positive about it, I think what is really cool about Brambles is that its distribution network is extremely difficult to uh, replicate. Now, what we saw in the most recent half was a profit before tax margin moving from 14% to 16%. These are not massive margins. And this is exactly the kind of area where someone with an established, reasonably low margin, established distribution network, they have a kind of moat there because no no one's going to spend their capital um, to try and create something new. Well, I can't say this for sure, but it's unlikely someone's going to try and disrupt that area. It's just going to see even more competition cost and then they're left with a low margin business if they succeed. So generally you see more disruption and more like new competitors coming in in high margin businesses, especially high margin growth businesses. The chances that Brambles is around in another 20 years are really high to me. But the problem is that these big companies with global distribution, they become like entirely divorced from some like founder vision for like, you know, great growth and change the world and all that sort of stuff. They've become, they've become divorced from that possibility. So I just don't see where's the upside, where's the where's the um, the real juice. So now this comes into the category then of like a decent dividend stock, competitive advantage pays out its dividend. You know, it's boasting on these good results that it has enough free cash flow to cover its dividend. Well, that's great news. But you have to ask, why does it have to emphasize that point? Um, it's a lower yield than, um, you know, Brickworks, which we were talking about just a moment ago. And personally, I'd prefer something like Brickworks. Having said that, this I wouldn't want to go and tell someone who's holding a decent dividend stock for the dividend that they should sell it. I still think it's a decent dividend stock, but it won't ever get a buy from me at, at these prices anyway. It's a hold. I'm going to call that a hold yeah. from you, Claude. Okay, Claude, let's just kick on with you then with Coden. CDA is the ticker code. This is a question coming to us from Chen. Now, Macquarie has uh, pointed out that it had net profit, revenue, and earnings ahead of expectations. I always have to look up what Coden does every time I speak about it. It's been a few times over the years because it's it's it says metal detection, but that's that's not like people walking along the beach, you know, looking for for scrap metal. Although it is. There, there there would be some people using mine lab machines, but part of the reason it's so difficult to remember what it does is because its main brand that it's known of is called mine lab, whereas the company itself is called Coden. Um, but I love this story and I love that it's here. It's, it's one that I missed out on. Actually, uh, avid Googlers can uh, find stuff that I wrote as a baby analyst um, when I bought Coden and then when it had some temporary bad news uh, with counterfeit uh mine lab machines getting out on the market it sort of went on a sell-off and i think i sold this stock at about two dollars thought i was very clever when i watched it go down to one dollar and now of course fast forward best part of a decade and it's fifteen dollars it would have been a massive 15 bagger if i'd been buying instead um but like let's dive into why has it been such a good investment like this this company is still based on annualizing the current half that it just reported it's still on 32 times earnings right so this is not some in, like, obviously that's 
higher than historical multiples have been. But this is not some absolute, you know, it's not some meme stock that's been pushed up to crazy multiples. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, maybe it's a bit rich. It's reasonable enough paying a dividend of 10.5 cents per, per share. So dividend yields getting pretty skinny now. But um, why is it? Well, the why, the why is they've got this great brand in MindLab. They have the reputation of being um, the, you know, the best gold detector out there. And, and that in, helps them get sales all over the world. But there are two main, main things that I wanted to bring up. First of all, um, you know, I got in touch with my contacts who know a lot about this company than me. So I'm, I'm using other people's knowledge here. But I'm told that the, the show TV, I think on Discovery Channel called Aussie Gold Hunters, well, that has been sponsored by MindLab and that's been really good for their brand. So that's yeah. helped keep sales really strong in, um, the, in, in generally in their gold detection, which is the main part of the business. Like they even say, you, know, you can see it. This is what's driving the growth really well. They've got these other businesses, which is uh, communications and, and mind safety stuff. Now they haven't been so impressive. And so the big factor here um, that I don't have the answer on, but I say the risk factor is that they've just done this fairly big acquisition um, on the communication side of the business to help them sort of expand into more video communications um, and that kind of thing as well. And um, that's been mostly cash. And so we don't really, and that's supposed to be earnings accretive, which obviously isn't too hard when they've got a PE of 32, but there's some risk around that, right? Because they've bought this business and then we just have to wait and see if it performs as hoped over the next few years. Historically, you know, this hasn't been the star performing part of their business. So let's see if they can turn that around. Mm -hmm. I'd say the market's probably pricing in a little bit of optimism there now. So that might be the risk still. Yeah. Uh, but, but is it a buy company. at these levels? It was, it, right, right now, we just oh, had a chart a up on one. screen showing that exponential growth. So just keep yeah. it quick. You know, is it a bit too XE right now? Or is this one a company that you would bit buy potentially on a me. pullback? I would buy it on a I would consider buying it on a pullback for sure. I think I've underestimated it historically. Um, you're not going to hear me say sell, given that I've underestimated it historically. But no, I couldn't bring myself to chase it up here. But yeah, I've, I've told everyone about my bad history calling this stock. So you, you I can like the full disclosure, there. Claude. We're all amongst friends. We may as well be honest, right? So have you missed Coden? Absolutely. All the way. So yeah, absolutely. I'm with Claude 100% on this one. Um, however, uh, uh, Claude's right because obviously the metal detecting business is, is fantastic, but you're in a potentially a mature market here in Australia and around the world that they're in and then potentially the leaders there. So I actually like this acquisition. Like Claude said, it's supposed to be 8% EPS accretive. So that's really, really good. Um, it is very complimentary to their business and it, they bought a business uh, which is called... I think it's uh, Domo Tactical Solutions, isn't that's it? That's it, DTC for for short, let's just use that one. Uh, it's, so it's a provider of bandwidth wireless communications, but what it does is that it has a good crossover between their markets and that's a really, really complimentary going forward for them. Um, so I'd back management on this one. The track record for management is very, very good. It's a hold from me as well. I think it's- it's On price? On price, only on price, absolutely. So track record on the, on the uh, management beating expectations. Um, balance sheet remains ungeared happy with that as well and leaving us some, some considerable scope uh, in, in to further uh, buy more acquisitions or, or initiatives to be pursued. So look, it's a fantastic story, fantastic stock. Most of the market's got a price target of $14.80, $15. So it is up there uh, for where it is. And potentially if you've got it, hold it, don't sell it. Yeah, Chen, so that was a question for you. Um, this is probably one for your watch list in case there's some sort of a big market shakeout 
or correction at some stage of the game. All right, let's get to our next company, Sonic Healthcare from Greg, SHL. I believe it reported just this week. The days are starting to blur <laughs> into one another for me. But what I do know came from that report is that it's still going very strong in terms of coronavirus testing. It's been one of those healthcare providers that has seen a silver lining from this pandemic. I'll start with you, um, Adam, here with yep. me in studio. Yep. So, so can, I mean, the company seems quite positive about the long lasting impact of the pandemic and the need for its services. Yes. Do you think that's a smart thematic? Uh, well, no, because we hope this pandemic or this situation does go away. Now, whether that's one or two years away, potentially there might be some uh, things going on from that. They reported more than doubling their half year net profit. So that was unbelievable. But they did attribute that to the windfall of uh, obviously uh, coronavirus. And if you took every other part of their business, most of their other parts of their businesses declined. So a little bit cautious there uh, around that. They did declare a dividend of 36 cents, which is up 6% from last year. Markets love dividends. And Sonic Healthcare is the largest dividend paying stock in the healthcare sector. So you go any one of the other ones are all a lot lower. Sonic Healthcare is the one and hence why it's seen such a good appreciation of their share price. But they said that they completed more than 18 million tests of COVID since the pandemic began and in about 60 laboratories that they've got around the world. So that is a certainly a significant boost. But is that going to continue? I don't think so. Um, I think that um, you'd be cautious uh, around here. They are saying that they expect a second half result to be quite a lot stronger as well. So they're really backing themselves going forward. But um, the fluctuations that I think are caused to that business base, you can't really just rely on COVID. And I think it's resilient at the moment, but potentially might fall away a little bit. So good with the dividend. It's a hold from me. I prefer CSL in that business. Yeah, well, we heard from CSL today, didn't we? Mm. Oh, mm. Yesterday, yesterday, I should say. Yeah. Um, it's still a buy. Sorry, I will just digress for a moment. CSL is still a buy. Yeah, for you. 275 is a nice trading range. 275, you can pick it up there, 280, somewhere around there. Should okay. nicely trade in a range and you can get make some good money in CSL. Now, Claude, I'd like to go back to Sonic Healthcare because I take um, you know, Adam's point about our hopes that COVID won't be around for, <laughs> for much longer. However, UBS for one has said that diagnostic services could be viewed more favorably given the role that uh, it played in managing the pandemic. I was speaking with another analyst who said, look, uh, this telehealth uh, thematic is not going anywhere anytime mm. soon. So that might actually increase the need for uh, you know, pathology, et cetera, going forward. How do you view the future for Sonic Healthcare, can you still see some growth coming in through this second half that they've already confirmed? Well, so longer term, to answer the, the question uh, first on a broader sense, yes, I do see growth growth for pathology and Sonic Healthcare in particular, and we'll circle back to why. But then, of course, this next, this absolute next half, look, all of the broker estimates would expect it to go down on the very strong half we've just had. Um, so I'm not I'm not saying any different from that, but where I so first of all I own shares in this one, right? Like a very simple uh, smooth brain drongo, I just bought stocks in the crash that I thought would benefit from the COVID situation, right? And usually I don't buy massive companies, but Sonic Healthcare is right sitting there in pathology testing. So I thought, look, if there's any company that's going to benefit, it will be this one, and I've been holding it ever since because. Um, I think the testing is going to go on way longer than anybody thinks. Yes, it will start dropping off as the really acute um, crisis 
falls away, one hopes. Uh, but don't forget, these guys have uh, labs in Germany, in Australia, in Switzerland, in uh, America or North America. So there's a fair bit of exposure. I think it's Canada. They have a fair bit of international exposure to the COVID situation. And even as we uh, spend the next year, this year, uh, vaccinating as many people as possible, first of all, a lot of those vaccines are not you know, super, super effective. Yes, we've got some super effective ones, but that's just some of the vaccines. And then we're going to keep testing people. There's going to be so many circumstances where we want to keep testing people. There'll be little localized outbreaks. I just see the testing is going to go on and on for quite some time. And if anything, I think the longer term impact that this horrible pandemic has on the world is to um, better understand how important it is to, to track diseases, to test populations, to do sentinel testing, all that kind of thing. So um, I think that the outlook is still a little bit better than what um, most of the people are expecting. Uh, now, having said that, I'm no longer a buyer at current prices. Um, I'm, I'm just waiting and holding a little longer uh, because I want to see, you know, what, what happens in the post-COVID world. Do we yeah. settle at a higher level of testing than before? It's an interesting one. I mean, you just have a sniffle or a little bit of a sore throat now and you go get a COVID Straight test, away. right? Yeah. And I also think, mm. I mean, I had a good conversation a while back with the CEO of Optus, who was saying, if one thing comes from this pandemic is that we'll probably all be a lot more respectful of our health and mm. how we come into work, you know? Mm. There used to be, oh, it's okay, I've just got a bit of a, a yeah. bit of a cold, I'll come sit beside you all day, where that's not gonna be, <laughs> you know, that's not gonna be cool going forward. Yeah. So interesting one, okay, Sonic Healthcare, that's done. Let's get to the next one, still in the healthcare space. Quite a different company. This is a question for Paul. Paul, I hope you're watching or listening. Valpara Health, VHT, the uh, opinion of Adam Dawes coming at you right now. Let's get the buy, hold, sell right out of the way, and you can tell us then why. Uh, it's a hold from me. Um, I don't. This one hasn't really done much either. So basically, um, again, another sort of COVID story with this one. Um, but they did come out with their December quarterly. Uh, this is back in January that they have sort of talked about that represents some some decent growth going forward. But yeah, it really hasn't done much, and and sort of uh, there's plenty of other stories I think that you could do a lot better. Um, one of the reasons why their average, average revenue per user uh, was around $1.43. Um, that's compared to $5.12 uh, 12 months ago. So it's just, oh. it, it's really fallen off on the back. And then a group average of $1.22. So market share remains stable at 27%. Um, I think this is okay, but it's not one that I get excited about. Okay, so a not a lot to get excited about at Volpara Health. It has just made an acquisition of CRA Health in Boston. It is a breast cancer risk assessment company. Um, and apparently, Claude, I don't know if you've done the research, but the rate of women going to get tested for breast cancer via the mammogram is growing in, uh, in the US in particular. So how do you rate Volpara and its growth prospects? I rate, it, I rate its growth, pros, growth prospects as a business quite strongly. So this is another one I own shares in, but there's a little more um, nuance here because I talk a lot about these little software companies that are sort of high risk um, that I buy shares in. And if they work out, they can do really well. Well, Volpara is one I prepared earlier, right? So you can find public articles that I wrote about buying Volpara when it was like 30 something cents per share. And it had, you know, IntelliHR levels of uh, of recurring re revenue, like 1 million or whatever. You know, it's obviously grown 
a great deal by then, uh, like since then. Like it made, I think, 15 million um, revenue. Oh, sorry, uh, more, far more than that. I don't have the number in front of me, but um, they, they've 10x their revenue and their share price has, has gone up a lot. Of course, they've been diluting ac- across the way. Um, and a long time ago now, it sort of, it got out of the point where I, where it was like really an unknown little stock and started becoming uh, a very popular, uh, you know, tech stock. And it, it has, it's in a, in a great position now. And it's got these tailwinds because women should and are checking for this cancer more. There are a few cancers of which breast cancer is one of them that um, you can have much better clinical outcomes if you catch them early. Now, what Volpara's initial innovation was, was to have breast density algorithms that could essentially not just tell if uh, a woman had cancer, but also if she was at future risk of being a high risk patient that may really need to have more regular checkups because um, the the breast tissue was very dense, which increases the risk, right? So that was the key innovation that's allowed it to like create something out of nothing as it has. I really like this team. They have such a great mission. They are so keen at improving women's health, which is partly why I've remained a shareholder all this time. But the key thing here is I actually sold some shares earlier this week. And the reason I did that is because it's now become increasingly clear that these guys are going to start butting heads with Promedicus in the next couple of years because what Promedicus has done is they've done their own AI breast density algorithm, right? So then soon they may start offering that to some clients. It's going to make it harder for Volpara to grow. Meantime, Volpara is sitting on a very heady multiple. Um, so therefore, I think it's fair to say that the main reason I own shares still having holding some shares is just because I love this company now and, and I just want to hold on to it. You know, it's got 20 million ARR more or less and a market, and a market cap of almost 400 million. So it's almost on 20 times ARR. This is no longer a cheap unknown software stock. I hold a little just to follow. And we know that you love Prometicus as well. So uh, Paul, I think that that, uh, Claude, it's going to be a sell from you. It's definitely not a buy. Okay, fair um, enough. Is it? Yeah, Yeah, because I mean. Well, it's, so I sold some, but I'm holding some for now. But I think probably like given I've I've confirmed that I'm kind of in love with the story, we should probably put me down as a sell. Okay, sell, sell it is. All right, I'm going to just wrap up what we've learned so far from the guys. Um, Stock of the day, we came out hot. It's a buy. Stock of the day is IntelliHR. It's IHR is the ticker code. Part of um, what Adam likes about it is that it's got Bevan Slattery on the register, and he's got a pretty good track record. Uh, There is something to like there. It's a buy from Claude. Uh, Look, he says that it's part of a diversified portfolio because it's still a bit risky, but uh, he does look to the strong revenue growth that the company has had over the past two halves in particular. He's looking for signs that it can break even because he does still like companies that are profitable. Happy for that revenue to go to growth, but only for a period of time. And then we got to Brickwork. So it is, you know, pretty safe as houses. It's a hold from both of the guys. The dividend, you know, Adam points out, it's always being increased. It's got some interesting stuff happening in the industrial space because it's a big landholder. It's a very old company. However, there are better names that have exposure to the U.S. housing story as well. uh, James Hardy over in the States, locally listed company, and CSR. It's a hold from... Uh, from Claude as well, saying yes, it's a decent dividend 
play, but again, it's just not the best candidate in the building space. Brambles for Jim. Again, it's a hold from both of the guys. Claude says there's no obvious catalyst, uh, but it's really hard to replicate its distribution network. But where is the upside? It's a pretty decent dividend stock. Adam says it's a hold at best. There's just better places to put your money and there's this issue of the plastic pallets that is yet to be resolved. The next company, Coden, is a hold from both of these guys. I think they both strong. missed out. <laughs> yeah. beat it out. Um, it's a pretty mature market in Adam's view, but he does back the management. Look, if this one had a big pullback, both Claude and Adam say that it would be a buy. Um, actually, Claude loves this company. He just sold too early, uh, and he now thinks it's just a bit too expensive to get in. So again, if there was some sort of significant shakeout, then it would be a buy. Sonic Healthcare, so Claude's a bit more favorable on this one. He actually owns shares uh, because he does believe that this testing regime that we're in is around for longer. However, I don't know if he was endorsing going out and buying it at these levels, and he does see growth going forward. It's a hold for Adam. Adam gave us a bonus buy, which is? CSL, he says safe to buy around that 275 level. Um, Adam's just not, when it comes to Sonic, as convinced mm. that um, you know there's gonna be that growth going forward and they can maintain the big gains that they've seen through this pandemic period. Number five is Valpara. I pushed Claude into calling it a sell because he has been selling. Safe to say then you shouldn't be buying now. He does like the growth prospects, but there is competition moving into its space in the US in particular with ProMedicus. If you don't follow Claude on Twitter, you can, and you can get his views on ProMedicus. Also, you can uh, follow The Rich Life as well, A Rich Life, I should say. And it's a hold from Adam Volpara is because he, he looks to that metric basically about the money that they're making on each customer, and that has really gone down. So perhaps a little bit of a red flag there. So we've got a, our first stock of the day going into the call portfolio. Just to reiterate, we've been tracking these companies since July 1st, of last year, thanks to our partner in NabTrade, all the companies that get a two thumbs up or a buy from both of the experts on that show, and it has to be a buy at these levels on the day we've been putting in. So, weekly, we're up 0.65% on the month, up two and a quarter percent. Year to date, though, since July 1st, 2020, we're up almost 26.5%. Some of the recent companies that have been added, Adair's, Family Zone, Cyber Safety, um, Shiro, Ale Property Group, City Chic and Raise Invest. And you can check out all of those companies in the portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Well, I hope Adam Claude, you've had a bit of a sip of water because we mm -hmm. may as well kick on, talk quick fee. Adam, I'm gonna go yeah. to you first on this one. Quick fee just reported yesterday. Yeah. It's talking up these expansion plans in North America. Do you see it all coming to fruition? Well, you'd like to hope so, because this is a really interesting business as far as that it has some good, strong revenue growth, albeit you know 22% higher, but they did record some really good growth in transaction volumes in the US, and that was up 182%. So that was certainly something. And then their lending book also was up a little bit as well. This one's an interesting one because it really is that sort of installment payments kind of business, or, or, or and then... They, they have some interesting um, businesses here in, the, in Australia where they've just uh, uh, made some additional hires in the sales and marketing division. They also raised some capital, put some mm -hmm. more money in the bank, $7.5 million. But I think the market really should be focusing on that growth in the lending and the structural shifts that they're seeing in the US. 
I think that's something that uh, is, is one that I like. Um, the full uh, value of those transactions uh, did move and they've started to sign up some more and more people. The problem is that it costs money for you to grow in the US. It costs money for you to hire staff. Now they've hired seven sales and marketing people in the US over the last sort of uh, last three months or so. And that's gonna be a little bit of a hard one for them to go on uh, and keep moving. I'm gonna go out of limit here. I'm gonna say it's a buy. Really? Yeah. Um, I just think that, that if they can get that US moving in the right way, and if they can continue to get that growth in the client numbers, and there's a structural shift in the US banking and payments industry towards digital banking. Mm -hmm. We know they still use checks over there, ridiculous. But if they can get that digital banking and those online payments and accelerating that going through, I think this one is a buy. Wow, okay, we've got a buy for quick fee QFE. This is for Amber Claude. I'm interested in getting your view because of course, it it's sometimes gets lumped in with BNPL, which it is it's very much not. Uh, talk to us about the model and what you like or don't like about it. Cool, yeah, this is actually one of the more interesting ones that like for me to, to talk about today, because it's definitely a company I keep an eye on too. Um, so I think some key points uh, here is that uh, they have two sort of sources of revenue. So there's the uh, there's the interest income, which is a matter of what they will do is they, they can lend money to the clients of an accountant. Um, and, you know, essentially they have loans from three to 12 months. I, I, as I understand it, they charge, you know, around 9% per annum. Um, interest, but they borrow for less than that, closer to four percent. So they make their they make their profit there, right? Now the interesting thing is because of all the government support we've had lately, if I recall correctly, their lending in Australia actually went down Correct. in the most recent half. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Adam. Yeah. So that actually went down. Now you can understand why that is because we've got all of this stimulus, and that's fine. But then the interesting part of the business that sort of attracts my attention and and means. Um, that I kind of think, oh, I've, I might have underestimated this one, is the revenue from contracts with customers. And you'll actually see if you look at their statement, uh, that dub almost doubled from about 900K to 1.8 million. And as I understand it, that's more to do with um, basically just being a payment platform. So what they can do in America is offer their platform, which has the loan facility thing, mm -hmm. but also um, just charge, it's just a way for um, accountants to charge their clients and then yeah. they can click the ticket on that. And so that is growing quite well. And I reckon that's probably uh, better than the lending business, in my personal opinion. Adam, Adam may think differently about that. Um, ooh, should I give it a buy or a hold? Uh, it's a tough one for me. Ooh. Um, I like I'm the, the drama. Edge, Drum roll. Well, Adam sort of convinced me. Here, maybe a maybe this bit. will um, maybe this will help form your thinking. So it sold off on the result yesterday. It is also down by a further six. Well, close to 7% today. So price matters, right? Yeah, it does. And look, so I think that we have to put one big caveat here, which is that I do not own shares in it myself. So usually I only say buy when I actually am buying myself. I'm probably not going to like go, go ahead and buy this one just because I'm really wary of the lending space. But I reckon this is probably undervalued right now. Like looking at that capital raise at 50 cents, there's... It's not their fault that they couldn't lend so much in Australia the way I see it. So I would say probably as a trade in this one and, and I'd give it, I'm, I'm leaning towards like the temp, like for me, it would be more a speculative buy, but I'm leaning towards the buy on this one, to be quite frank. So I'll, I'll go oh, that way. Oh, now I'm torn. Do I put it in the portfolio? It's a speculative buy on the day. 
bottom to bo it's going in the portfolio. Yes, I'm ringing the bell. Absolutely. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. The power I have. I'm kidding. Okay. There's rules around this, hard and fast rules, but it is a buy from both guys yeah. on the day at current price. It's in the portfolio. Guys, we're going to have to whip through open pay. We've got Zip and Afterpay reporting. All of these BNPL players are trying to differentiate themselves in some way, shape, or form. OpenPay is looking to the UK. Do you like OpenPay? Uh, so I'm going to go with Shore and Partners and our research analyst who has done very well on this stock. So yes, it is a buy from me. Um, they responded to the UK's Financial Conduct Authority, uh, the Woolard Review. Mm -hmm. We don't see any issues going in forward with that. We don't anticipate there any, being any regulatory changes in the UK, so business as usual. They do have a couple of steps in our research report. We've stepped out 10 and I don't have time to go through them all. <laughs> no. But basically OpenPay has a financial hardship program in place. So they are able to look at that and there has been some obviously some talk in the regulatory issues there. I'm going to say it's a buy. Uh, basically OpenPay trades on a significant and attractive discount, 57% discount to their list of buy now pay later peers at the moment mm -hmm. and sees a, a sales multiple of 5.1. So uh, I, I think, yep, yeah, it looks really good compared to the rest of the market. Because there is no disputing the fact that people are taking up buy now pay later options. Yes. It's just whether or not you want to, you, you know, you might want to have a little bit of skin in that game. Correct. But it's really difficult to buy Zip and Afterpay at these levels. No, it's even not. You can continue to buy Zip. There's another free one for you. Still buying Zip. Okay. Okay, no problems zip, at all. Zip. zip reports Thursday yes, next week. Yes, yes. And, um, so. and Afterpay had yet another broker upgraded with its price it target, did. so it's on fire today. Yep. Claude, open pay, buy, hold, sell. Uh, well, it's good we've got some good disagreement here because I have to say um, it has no attraction to me. Um, I think I'll just hone in, since we're doing it quickly, hone in on the fact that these guys advertise longer, more flexible plan lengths, older customer demographic, um, re reduced risk, um, and cross-pollination opportunity, whatever that is. Look, that, none of that sounds good to me. I think all of these buy now, pay laters are trading on growth. I don't think I don't think that it's the long-term discounted cash flows that are controlling the share price of Zip or Afterpay right now. It's market share, market grab, all of that. That's why OpenPay is at a massive discount. Because now I'm not going to give it a sell either. I reckon maybe some of this stuff. I'm not crazy, man. I'm going to say sell to BNPL for the people that are into it. But no, this one does not get a buy from me. Um, I'll, I'll sit on the fence on it on this one, but I uh, have to say I prefer some of uh, I, I probably prefer some of the market leaders if I were going to buy any. I think that Claude, I don't want to start anything, but I think Claude just said to you, okay, boomer. Anyhow, we'll leave that there. <laughs> I've got gray hair, no. yeah, but I'm not a boomer, hey? Not a boomer. Ah, oh, it's a Friday. Okay. I wish I owned that much property. Number eight, you yeah. foods. Why, why FZ? This is a question from Nick. So Nick has said it's not traded very much. But he thinks that it could take off if it gets some investor coverage. He thinks that it's got some pretty good tailwinds because people are trying to get healthy and it is with Coles and Woolworths. You foods, Claude, what do you think? It's, um, you, see it, you see it in many places uh, and it's now got a purpose-built manufacturing facility. It's a recently listed IPO'd company. So what do you think? Yeah, well, I think this is a good one. Like you get some great suggestions in on these shows. Like there's, there's some smart... Uh, eagle-eyed uh, retail investors out there for sure. Look at this one just listed uh, towards the end of last year. And often I find the listings that take place around Christmas time and stuff like mm -hmm. that, they don't get as much attention as others. Um, so I definitely think it's one to keep an eye on. And obviously, well, look, you've just covered the space it's in now. It is a little hot space right now. So 
okay, it makes sense to IPO when the uh, pandemic has just caused a massive boom in business. Now, separate from that, I think we do have a long-term tailwind towards these kind of businesses. But, you know, we've also got plenty of them. So like HelloFresh, Marley Spoon, you know, you name it. There's quite a lot. So I've always had concerns about uh, how much of a moat there is in these businesses. And look, U-Foods Food, is one to watch. There's definitely a price where I would buy it, but I don't know. I don't think we're at that price now for a start. And secondly, um, I'm not going to chase these things. Like this is 2021 now. It's probably a bit late to be chasing the coronavirus beneficiary companies. That was a March, April, May 2020 kind of trade for me. So just one I'm watching, you mm -hmm. know, if this gets washed out, forgotten about, sales go down, you know, you could be picking up something good later. But for now... I'd probably just wait and see, mm -hmm. and you know, I'll 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 hail Rudy and say, you know, it's too early. Yeah. Okay. There you go, Rudy. Name dropping. Yeah. Adam, what do you think about you foods? Yeah, he's a boomer. <laughs> anyway, he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> well, uh, there you go, Rudy. Uh, you yeah, come on. Um, so uh, basically, yeah, look, I, I'm in agreement with Claude. Is, is it, it, we need to see some more. Uh, information going on this one. There's a couple of though the things that they have done correctly. They've launched a next day next day delivery service in New South Wales. So I think that's 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 certainly something. They've got their mobile app. They've got a subscription service. They're progressing into the B2B category, obviously with Coles and Woolworths, and they've got convenience store customers adding around 700 stores during that period. So it's actually quite big what they're actually doing. They've got 35 million net cash at the moment. Now you'd expect that after just IPOing, they've got a fair bit of cash. So that's certainly well positioning themselves to do some continued growth going forward. But it's too early for too me early. as well. Okay, yeah. let's get to number nine because I'm up against the clock now. Phineas, FCL, this is for AJ. The brokers love this one and a lot of small cap analysts that I speak with also really seem to like this one. It's in the insurance space, life accident, health. Uh, but in its recent report, it said that it has not seen any um, growth mm. in clients, no new clients. They're blaming the pandemic. Is that a red flag for you? Or do you sort of think that, uh, considering they're seeing increased activity from existing clients, that everything will wash out once the worst of the pandemic's over? Yeah, so I'm gonna go stay with Shaw and Partners. We've got a buy on this one as okay. well, because the analysts like it. So I'm gonna stay with that one as well. But you're right, with their failure to address their guidance in their AGM commentary, it does put a really big warning sign on this one for me. And then the lack of new client wins, um, it should, shouldn't impact them on the medium term, but in the longer term, they still have to grow. So, you know, these insurance businesses are very old. They've got antiquated systems. They're able to go in there and say, look, we can, we can rejig all your uh, systems. We can get you synergies. We can do all of this kind of stuff. And it's only going to cost you a certain amount. Now, that in the North American market is huge because mm -hmm. they are, again, antiquated in their systems. And they're looking to do some more upgrades there. So we've got a buy on it. I think it looks okay. Uh, I'm just a bit cautious for the longer term on this one. Okay. I'm going to stay with my analyst though. Phineas, FCL, Claude. Yeah, so I think the first thing to establish, um, I own shares in this one and I like it as well, all right? But um, it worries me a little bit that you say everybody likes it, I have to say, because that could mean it's a bit of a crowded trade. And uh, I think then that goes to Adam's point that if a few people get upset, you can see the share price crash. Having said that, if we just really simplistically look at the most recent receipts from customers, annualize that, we can say, okay, it's, it's probably on six, seven times, you know, receipts there, which is, so it's not super optimistically priced. This isn't, this isn't, uh, you know, really popular stock. You don't see it on Reddit. Like this is, 
not uh, yeah okay i think that maybe in insto world because they've done the raising and everything maybe it, it's a bit well known but i don't see it out in the public a lot it's not included in the asx 200 or anything like that so i think it's still reasonably under the tailwind and here's why we like it well here's why i like it, it has um, a structural tailwind because a lot of large life insurance companies are still operating the legacy internally built software so you you've definitely got room to growth then now eventually they'll make the switch to software as a service but um, the pandemic caused massive, um, you know, problems for many businesses and who then are looking to their insurance companies to see. And so there's a big deal for insurance companies when the pandemic hit. You can understand how that would hit implementation revenue, mm-hmm. how that would mean that it slowed their sales. You can definitely understand that. Yes, they blame COVID, but also I think it kind of makes sense. Generally speaking, anything can interrupt these I'm looking at the chart that's on the screen. Sorry to interrupt, Claude. I'm looking at the chart on the screen. So it peaked this year back in August. So if you were to buy this, would you need to see more of a price pullback to add to your position? Do you know, I, this is actually pretty close onto, onto the buy list for me right now. So I would actually, I would actually probably consider topping it up. It's still a small position for me. As you say, as, as we say, look, I do take positions in a lot of prospective, good quality ish software stocks i've been in and out over this over one over the years there are a few things that i don't like about it that are not perfect um i, w- I need I would, to know on the day love... today would you buy it today yeah i i would i would i would almost go and buy it. i would i've look half a mine maybe i'll maybe i'll buy it this afternoon yeah like, right just a few it's a bit just of a my... it, it, it's a bit of a it's a cautious buy i think from both of these guys yeah. we'll recap I'll, it though I'll, in just a minute I'll, Yes. Sorry, Claude. I'm just watching the clock. I I have to fulfill my obligations to get these 10 stocks into the 60 minutes, or I might get in trouble from David Kosh, perhaps. Um, Vimoto, number 10 on the list. Uh, Vimoto, it's coming to us from Sam. Look, Adam, you you can see where the tailwinds are. You see all of these machines flying around you when you're trying to, you know, go about your business delivering food. This company, does it manufacture these or is it just an importer, exporter? No, they're a vehicle manufacturer. So they specialize in manufacturing electric powered scooters or or two wheel vehicles. Look, this one is a no from me. Um, It's been a tough one. Sales peaked in 2015. They sold 88,000 units. And however, most of those sales uh, were done on on a lower rate because they were going into the competitive Chinese market. So for me, this one doesn't really sit up. The the thematic behind it, electric vehicles Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things, absolutely. Uh, this one has been around since 2002 and it's a Perth company, so it's a great one. The, big, the only thing that's good about it is they did sign a Ducati licensing agreement mm-hmm. uh, back in uh, two, May last year, two, or 2019, two years ago now. Um, but really, if you compare it to uh, a gross profit margin, uh, that margin is not as good as some of the other businesses in that sector. Their lifetime sales or their EV sales are lower and their cash flow is just break even at the moment. And that margin is is a lot less compared to some of the other businesses in their sector. So it's a no from me. It is a no. All right, let's get to view from Claude on Vimoto. VMT is the ticker code. Yeah, easy, easy no for me. This is one I've been following for years. There's always a lot of hype. There's, it goes through hype cycles. It needs to always raise capital. Um, it's, it hasn't been a sustainable business for 10 years. And um, yeah, I, ju- I just I would just take so much con- convincing to uh, to believe that this was an investable company after such a long history of issuing more and more shares, but not growing profits sustainably. Okay, thank you, Claude. Guys, let me recap what we've learned in the past half hour or so. Quick fee, QFE. It is a buy. 
It's a buy from Adam Dawes on US Optimism. Look, it is definitely on the watch list for Claude. He, uh, you know, he, he, he sees a lot of upside potential in it, uh, revenue growth, but it is a bit specky. This is not a buy today from Claude, so I'm not putting it into the portfolio. Open pay, it is a hold from Claude Walker. He talks about the older demographic that it's targeting. Um, he's just not attracted. He sees that the buy now, pay laters are a momentum play, and he would still take the leaders in this space. Bonus buy from Adam Dawes in terms of zip, and it's also a buy from OpenPay from Adam. He says that they just don't have any uh, issues with regulation in the UK, and look, uh, you know, potential growth there. So that is a buy from Adam. It is a hold from Claude. So Foods too early for both of our guests, um, but they're interested, and they'll be watching this one going forward. So Nick, perhaps you can keep watching it. They just say it's too early in the right space, one to keep an eye on. Phineas, it is a buy from both. It's a reluctant buy from both of the guys. I'm gonna say, look, Adam is going with the Sean Partners view on this one, but he's just a little bit cautious because it failed to address guidance and the lack of client acquisition at its recent AGM. It needs to grow, uh, but it is in the right space for the same reason that Claude says, is there's a lot of antiquated uh, systems out there that need to be updated, and then that's what Phineas FCL does. Um, perhaps so a bit of a crowded trade now that uh, Claude realizes that everybody pretty much likes it, but there are those structural tailwinds. It is a buy from Claude, who also owns shares, and I like that, uh, um, that disclosure. Vimodo, it's just a simple no from both of the guys. It um, often comes into periods of hype, never really does anything with it, and uh, the margins are not really as good as some of its peers, according to Adam. So. That's uh, pretty much a wrap on today. I believe we've put two companies into the portfolio today. That would be Phineas and it would be the stock of the day, IHR. Nice. Pretty good, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. we're almost I'm just a bit over time. So I'll say thank you quickly, Adam. We always yes, appreciate your insights. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good day from Sean Partners and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Always appreciate your insights. That was fun, guys. We'll do it all again soon. All right, that's it. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email at the call, ausbiz.com.au. And we're at ausbiztv on all social media. And if you'd like to check out the portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Thanks for joining us. Have a good weekend. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.